Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Growing up, one of the group of people that I admired greatly was missionaries. Uh, When they would come to my home church, uh, I was always intrigued no matter where they were serving, uh, if it were in any of the continents or even uh, home missionaries, that's what our denomination call them, uh, whether it be with a group of people on the Gulf Coast or in the Northeast or out West or on reservations, it was always something that uh, was adventurous. And uh, I think that adventurous drew me to want to be involved in it. But then I found a deeper meaning. It was the ones that God sent out. And so we started looking at the Word of God, and we found some men that God sent out more than one time uh, throughout the Scriptures. And today we're going to look at some of that information, the names of the individuals, but also what we can learn from them and what we know about them. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper on Exploring Missions, and it's our joy to be able to come to you and share with you. Sometimes it's an interview with an individual and and where they're serving, and sometimes it's uh, Nathan and myself looking at scriptures, and uh, today it's a combination of looking at scriptures, but also looking at some of the history and tradition of the 12 apostles. Really, we're going to say 14 uh, we're going to include Matthias and, and Paul in that group. But Nathan, uh, the apostles, uh, I would declare, for as the church was concerned, it seemed like to me they were the first missionaries. Yeah, you know, the word apostle, uh, a Greek, it comes from a Greek word apostoli, which means sent out ones, those that have been sent out. And we know that uh you know, starting with the 12, but including many, many others, you know, really it's countless uh, number. Um, you could actually go back and, and count up about 70 or 72 names listed with uh, Paul as part of, part of Paul's different uh, co-workers at different times. So you can have different lists of numbers of people, uh, but really the church as a whole, the church, we even today are apostles. We are sent out ones. Uh, collectively as, as the body of Christ, and we're sent out by Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses wherever we might go. We're living on mission. Uh, we're providing a verbal proclamation of the gospel, a visual demonstration of the gospel as we go through our lives. And so, uh, but it's easier for us, even on this program, to kind of pinpoint, you know, the 12, uh, the originals, I guess, if you if you want to call them that. Uh, that's a good name, the originals. That, that would be a good name for the group. And we find Jesus getting these men, and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Uh, at least four of them were fishermen. There may have been some more. Uh, we know one was a tax collector. We know one was a political 
uh, I would say, uh, trying to overthrow the Roman government. And, and there were others that had interest in occupations, but God says, I'm, I'm going to do something with you. And these are the men that people talked about turning the world upside down. And in Matthew chapter 10, we find them listed, Nathan, uh, the 12 that were called out. And I just want to read one of three or four verses here and give these names of these men. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, who's James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, a different James, Thaddeus, and and then we find that the other is Simon the Zealot, a nipher Simon, and finally Judas Iscariot, the one that would betray him. And he sent them out. He said, first, send them out to the Jews. Don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the people of Israel. But these 12 uh, are sent out. Uh, Nathan, I always thought this was a, uh, a ex- not necessarily experiment for Jesus, but an experience for these men that because he's going to send them out again in, Ma- in Luke chapter 10, uh, we find the 72 sent out at one time, you know, and I, I believe these 12 were a part of them, but he sends them out at different times, preparing them for the time when he's gone. And, and he's already done his equipping to help them to go forth into all the world to preach the gospel. He's doing that equipping now, isn't he? Right, yeah. Th- we see here in Matthew 10, and you can find a parallel passage in Luke chapter 9 for this. But in those two sections, you see, uh, you could call this maybe the, uh, the 12, their first uh, short-term mission trip, if you want to call it that. Uh, but Jesus, this was a part of his training of the 12, that, that this was training for them. Uh, at the same time, however, it was real. It was real ministry that was being done. And uh, Jesus, you know, even relied on these guys to uh, take part in that. And so, um, you know, it's the same for us even today. If we go on a mission trip, short term, uh, overseas or, or nearby, you know, it's training for us, uh, but it's also real ministry for us as well. And then I've already referred to Luke chapter 10. He sends them out once again. And again, again, appreciate you talking about in Luke 9 and then Luke 10. Uh, Luke kind of ties these together. He says, I want to expand that number. Uh, You've gone out. Now I want you to go out with others. But uh, Luke 10, verse 1, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. There were the instructions to them, and he gives them the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, uh, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. And it goes on. It tells them what to take. But it talks about going to a person and finding a person of peace. Uh, You've taught on this many, many times here on Exploring, or referred to it, taught about it once or twice. But again, he, he expands that. 
and and says not just the 12 now it's the 72 going out nathan and he sends them out two by two again doesn't he that's right you know it's the same model uh that was used in matthew 10 or luke 9 when it was just the 12 now it's the same model just uh, multiplied to include others and you could even make a strong case here in luke 10 that jesus is uh, not only you know modeling and training how to go about uh, being a witness, how to go about uh, doing your mission work, but he's expanding their vision. He's expanding the, the vision of these disciples to not only include, you know, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but also you can make a strong case in Luke 10. And I believe that Jesus was including Gentiles here in the mission. And so um, they were to go into, you know, the places where Jesus was sending them. So again, it's more training but it's also real ministry that Jesus is expanding here in Luke 10. We, you know, it's ministry in Galilee, but it's including, uh, it's really some cross-cultural mission work. I agree fully with you because uh, it's expanded in number. I think it's expanded in territory and there's no exclusions. In other words, in, in the first one in Matthew 10 and at Luke 9, uh, it was exclusively to them. You don't find that exclusionary uh, clause in Luke 10. And then Jesus dies, the resurrection, and he's in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. But I still think it needs to be read because listen to what he says. Then the 11 disciples left from Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here it is, the Great Commission. Starts out with the 11 disciples, go to Galilee, but it seems like more were gathered as they gathered there on the mount to see him go. But the instructions were specific. Go and make disciples. As you go, make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them. Uh, he's equipped them. And, and the, I think there is a key word there, uh, Nathan, when he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Remember, he says, I've given you authority over diseases. I've given you authority over illnesses and demons. And here it says, all authority, any kind, I give it to you to use as you share the good news of Christ. Again, it's to the 12, I think, and plus. What about, do you think that as well? Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, and all throughout church history, the generations ahead of us agreed as well, or we would not have heard the gospel. Someone would have said, hey, it doesn't apply to me, this this commission to make disciples of all nations, this command to be witnesses of Jesus wherever I go. If that doesn't apply to me, then guess what? We, ha we, haven't, we haven't had a chance to hear it. And it's only disobedience that will keep uh, those that have not heard at this point from hearing it in the future. Uh, but obedience will lead to... Uh, being a witness will lead to worship of Jesus, will lead to this fruit of disciples of all the nations. Um, I, I do find it interesting that Jesus talked about the authority that he had, and he was giving, he was sending his, his apostles out with and under that authority. Um, and if you think about it, an apostle has no authority of their own, 
their, their authority comes from the one who has sent them. And if the one who has sent them has all authority, then what is it they cannot do? I mean, you know, that they, they can do whatever is asked of them. Anything that God has put in front of them, they can do. And and they would turn the world upside down. One more passage before we get to some individual apostles and what we know of them, the ones that we know for sure, and others, tradition and history and 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 what we know because of investigation. But Acts one Verses 6 and following, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, Jesus did, The Father alone has authority to set those dates and those times, and they are not for you to know. Now, he says "There's there, you're not going to know. You don't know when. And then in verse 8, the conjunction, but... Uh, you're not just to sit around and wait, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, those men really were commissioned. We we just have looked at four different passages that really talks about missions and it really says worldwide missions, doesn't it, Nathan? It is. It's a global, it's a global mission, um, and you know Jesus was instilling in his in these apostles uh, a global vision for what God was up to and what Jesus was wanting to do through them. Um, and it it ta- it takes a while, you know. And we'll see even later if you read through to Acts two, you know, it takes the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of a believer's life to really to get a grasp of what that vision, that global vision might actually be. Now, we've talked about the 12, and that's what they were even called many times, even after Judas Iscariot had betrayed Christ, and we know what happens to him, even though we'll discuss that later. But the Bible has two other men that were considered at least apostles for his, the names there. But as Nathan said, if you have the idea of sent ones, there were many more. But we're going to talk about these 14. The other two were Matthias, the one that we find out added to here in Acts uh, 1, where he was the one that was chosen, and they felt like by the Holy Spirit to to take the mantle of Judas's chariot, uh, I don't know if he became the treasurer the way Judas was or not. I don't know all that, but he did take that place. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul called on the road to Damascus, seeing the risen Lord being trained by him for three years in the desert and would become the great apostle to the Gentiles. These 14 men, and the Bible only contains the death of the of two of them. One is James. Uh, and that was the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, and Judas's chariot, and we'll get to those. But some of these we know. Most of the history that we know and even the tradition of that we know, Nathan, commonly thinks that uh, all but the apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of, uh, the Isle of Patmos, was died a martyr's death, and some even think John was delivered from Patmos and then died a martyr's death. We don't know for sure. But all of these men, uh, after they had seen the risen Lord, after they had gotten this commission, it changed their lives forever, didn't it? 
It really did. They were they were absolutely convinced of who Jesus was, and then they were also convinced that it was their responsibility to share the message of who Jesus was and what he has done and what he's doing to everyone around them, to all the nations that Jesus had sent them out to. Um, so they were convinced of those things, and and through the power of the Spirit, they were empowered to to accomplish what you know what Jesus had sent them out to do. Um, I do also want to say, and you know, we use the word um, at this point. You know, after we kind of uh, take on a little bit of church history and tradition, and even even some legend in here. Uh, you know, when we say the word "know," what we know and what we don't know. You know, we use that word loosely at this point because. Uh, there's lots of uh, tra- various traditions about where the apostles went and how they died and and all these kind of things that there's no way uh, that we can, especially us two here on this uh, you know program, can tell you for sure uh, what we what's fact and what's fiction. Uh, there's so much uh, speculation out there and it's hard to know for sure. It is hard to know, but I wanted to do this, and uh, we're not going to spend as much time on each one that we don't know about. Uh, two, one of them, and let's just take Peter first. He's always listed first, and uh, we don't have his death covered in the Bible, but we have the prophecy of his death in the Bible, Nathan. I thought that right. was interesting. In John 21, uh, when Jesus appeared to them after they had gone fishing, and uh, he had asked Peter, do you love me the three times? And and then Jesus would tell him, uh, in, again, in John 21, he says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted to go, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others and will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And then it adds this. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Again, uh, Jesus let Peter know that his death would not be something that would be pleasant. Uh, it, of course, it's not his choosing, but it, uh, we have that documented that Jesus told Peter that, and he would turn around and he'd see John. He said, what about John? And Jesus said, what's that to you? Uh, you'd be concerned about yourself. So we know that was predicted by Jesus, right? Yeah, we do. We, we know that Uh Jesus was giving Peter a heads up. Hey, you're going to die for my sake. Um, and which was, which was very interesting because, and we could spend a lot of time on this, but I know we don't necessarily want to, but the interesting thing to me is that Peter announced that, you know, before Jesus death, he would say, Hey, I'll, I'll die for you. I'll never, uh, betray you. I'll never uh, deny you, you know? And of course we know that Peter did deny Jesus, uh, and here Peter and here Peter's being restored by Jesus. And part of that restoration is Jesus saying, you know what? You will die for me. Wow. That that is strong, Nathan. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, this even though this is not in in Bible, the death of Peter is documented quite more than a lot of the other apostles uh, that we don't know. 
and it is, I think it is more than legend. It seems like there's some documentation by some historians pretty close to the de- uh, his death in the first century that he would be killed by Emperor of Nero around 64 AD, and he was going to be crucified. And uh, now this is, uh, there's not much doubt that he would die there in Rome. Uh, the Catholic Church uh wanted him and declared him to be the first pope. Now, again, that's not the Bible. That's just something that they did. And But they uh, they did know that he did die this violent death. And most people think that, and one or two historians said it was because of his request that he would be crucified upside down. But the idea of him being crucified in Rome was by Clement. It was by Eusebius, a lot of church historians uh, in in the early centuries had him dying there in Rome by crucifixion, Nathan. Right. And uh, before he made it to Rome, uh, traditionally, it's thought that uh, Peter spent some time, you know, as a missionary, sharing the good news of Jesus, preaching the gospel, planting churches. Um, you know, we know he went to Antioch, but also up in um in basically uh, Asia Minor area, and um, which is modern-day Turkey, uh, Peter spent some time uh, there as well. And he to get to Rome from Jerusalem, if he didn't go by boat, he would have to go through those places. And uh, at, we see what happened to him after the Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and that uh, lack of, of boldness, that he had the night Jesus was being tried before Christ would be crucified. Uh, he seemed to regain that boldness that he had that you was talking about earlier when he told Jesus he'd die for him. Peter seemed, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, empowered him enough. I think he walked in that direction, Nathan. Yeah, and it seemed also that Peter and Paul's journeys, uh, they didn't necessarily overlap, but they had a lot of the similar locations in geography. Uh, but with different scope. And Peter was more focused on uh, the Jewish uh, dispersion uh, that had settled in those areas, while while Paul was mostly focused on the Gentiles. Now, Peter's brother was Andrew. I love Andrew. Matter of fact, one of my grandchildren's named Andrew. And uh, I love that name, and I love what he did. Every time he's mentioned in the uh, in the Gospels, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus, isn't he, Nathan? He is. That that was uh, from the very beginning. Andrew's ministry was bringing people to Jesus, and it seemed like he was doing that his whole life. And we don't know a lot about him. He's one of those that Nathan was talking about. A good bit of legend, tradition concerning him being crucified, and and things like that. <clears throat> but. There seems to be in Fox's Book of Martyrs, and again, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you ought to get it. And if you can't read it straight through, you can read sections of it. But they have this concerning Andrew, that he preached in Edessa. Now, that's in Mesopotamia, and he would probably travel through uh, the you know parts of Asia, and tradition has him doing that, that, that he was preaching. I... As Andrew, as strong as he was in the Gospels, I cannot imagine him letting up one bit, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, part of the tradition of Andrew is that he made it even further north 
uh, to what's called the land of the man eaters or the Scythians, uh, which really includes lots of uh, parts of Russia. So possibly Andrew made it all the way into Russia. Of course, uh, even more speculation that he, he could have made it all the way to, uh, towards Scotland. Um, it is interesting that what we know is St. Andrew's cross on a flag is the, is the symbol on the flag of Scotland. It's also the symbol of the flag of uh, the state that I live in in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, uh, St. Andrew's cross and the idea of that cross being what we would call it like an X shape, um, was also a, a type of cross that was used to crucify people. It wasn't just a T that we kind of think of when we think of Jesus's cross, but uh, Andrew's cross might have been like a an X shape. Yeah, uh, Andrew, he's a hero. I mean, he was faithful. And and another one that we we know about is James. Now you have the apostle James, the brother of John, the son of of. Zebedee, but you also have James, the Lord's brother, which uh, the book of James, he wrote that. And a lot of times, if you're not careful, uh, just like I think historians might have mishmashed some of those uh, things together, you have to be careful. But we have him in Acts 12. Uh, He was the first one, and he was stoned. Uh, The truth of it is, Acts 12, 1 and 2, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and tended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword, not stone, but with a sword. Uh, Stephen would be stoned, and, and James would be by the sword. Now, the difference in Stephen and him not one of the twelve but Stephen was one of the seven that was in the early church. Now, we know that. But here, James is killed with a sword. Uh, that is the government, one of the ways that the Roman government would kill people. And James was the first one of the apostles to meet that death. And Nathan, when you see that, King Herod was pleased to do that. And when they saw that it pleased the Jews, uh, that's when they went out after Peter and was put him in prison, and they was going to kill him too, but God intervened and released him. So James was kind of a, uh, was the example of a man committed to the Lord in a difficult time, even unto death. James is that man, isn't he? He is, and he was sort of, his death was sort of a catalyst. Uh, a lot of people believe that once James was killed and, and Peter was uh, released uh, by God from prison is when the apostles actually followed the, the dispersion of the church out of Jerusalem and into the different various places that they would go on their missionary journeys. One more that we want to get to today, and that's the apostle John, and we've already talked about him on the Isle of Patmos. He had a special assignment, though, in his last days, uh, or early days, I should say, the last times of Jesus' life before Jesus uh, on the cross died. And, and he said, take care of, of his mother, Mary. And John was faithful to that. He would write the Gospel of John, three uh, letters, and then the Revelation. But it seems like on the Isle of Patmos, God spoke to him and he saw the future. Uh, What a future we have. And these men, Nathan, that we've discussed today, 
One of these days, guess what? We're going to be able to meet them face to face as we see them with the Lord in heaven. That's going to be a great time, isn't it? A great time, as John wrote in Revelation, that one day a multitude more than anyone can measure will be gathered around the throne singing, Worthy is the Lamb. From all the peoples, all the tribes, all the tongues, we need to get the word out. Let's share the good news the way the apostles did in those early days.